Borag Thung Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 11010010 episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast for binary? A podcast where two Americans try to make sense of a particular island nation zone, Galaxy's Greatest Comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, uh, we are covering 2000 AD for November and December 1989, progs 654 to 656, also known as guardrails because Fox needs to at least put points on the board, and that's a sweet-ass bowling reference, and so let's get into it. So, hey, this time, if you want to read along with us... Uh, you'll find the comics that we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 13, Chopper Surfs Up, uh, Tales of the Dead Man, Slain the Horned God, and Zenith Phase 3. And as you've noticed, nothing has at all changed whatsoever. This is a normal episode. Nah, absolutely. I will say that we, we have th- that this and next episode will be shorter episodes. Mm. And it's really because we wanted to make Prog 650 be that new listener episode and I figured it'd be a good idea to also have it um, have all of the of um, of the Rogue Trooper story, uh, a, a, a War Machine in it. So yeah. that's why we had two five five episode ones this year as well, just to kind of let us be able to sniper in that six fifty. But it does mean that we've got two episodes with six progs to go, so we're having two three episode ones afterwards. It definitely made me writing uh, a script for this a lot easier. <laughs> well, we 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 joked about this on episode two hundred actually, mm-hmm. um, and having you take the wheel, and it was very like, oh yes, like well, there's a three, there's a three progger coming up. Yeah, I mean that just feels <laughs> Cut your so teeth right on that. I think it was uh, listen, like you know, I know I do I do terrible and and things that that, that no one else on earth would do for this show regularly. So I'm happy. So I'm I'm glad there's some short times <laughs> for someone else to try to. So I don't I don't just dump. Four progs on you, like like recap that, god damn it! Yeah, and by the way, it has four hundred future shocks in it. It's only yeah, no, future this, shocks. This is good. Three pro, three progs, five thrills. Mm-hmm. Lean. This is really? the this is the nice. the fillet mignon of uh, of a two thousand oh, yeah. possibility. It's got you that know? bacon wrap. You know, it's mm-hmm. a it's got some d- decent seasoning on it. It's medium rare. I don't like my meat rare. It's a little weird when it's still bleeding. You know. Mm-mm. Fair. So anyway, uh, speaking of uh, meaty men, it's Thrill One Chopper. (laughs) I'm going to have a lot of fun reading these books. Nice. I'm super uh, stoked. (laughs) Script robot is John Wagner. Art robot, Colin McNeil. Coloring robot, Tim Perkins. Lettering robot, the astounding Bombos. Mm. Bambos Georgiou, rare oh, yeah. coloring robot involved in this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so we enter an interesting and somewhat metaphysical foreshadowing, uh, foreshadowing about gods and song lines. I don't really mm. get it. I guess there's there's maybe a thing tying this back to Australia. This seems like kind of cleared for takeoff for me. But cut to Chopper grabbing a newspaper and finding out that Super Surf 11 has changed venues from uh, Australia to Mega City uh, 2. Excuse me. Mega City 2! Yeah. Uh, So as he flies on, we're sort of introduced to his boonie pal that we sort of heard about prior to this, Smokey, a half-man, half-wombat, who gives him a lot of guff and uh, gets it back from Chopper and Kind. They seem to have this kind of cute 
cute sort of uh, mentor-mentee thing where I guess he just taught him how to, like, hunt snakes. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, it's a very uh, Luke Skywalker-Yoda kind of relationship here. Yeah, if Yoda had, like, one leg and, uh, and, like, an eye patch, you know? Yeah, a cooler Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Smokey Shots fired. Uh, That's pretty great. (laughs) Smokey falters for a moment and Chopper's uh, reaction receives scorn and some light grumbling. Uh, but, you know, soon afterwards, we cut to their, you know, nightly fire ritual, I imagine, where they are scarfing down some dried meat. Uh, and as the two just sort of uh, are talking through, he's, uh, you're seeing Smokey sort of press him on, uh, you know, that he's probably going to go to Super Surf, despite his, like, attempt at apathy. Um, Smokey says that he's just following his song line, man. Uh, which Whoa. is like also his wind metaphor or I, you know, it all got kind of lost at this point, but seems to be really, you know, not, not as groovy for, for Chopper at this point. This is also mm. some dire foreshadowing that he's probably going to die soon. And Hey man, in the next day, uh, <laughs> as though we just needed to move this plot along. Smokey is dead. He gets a sweet burial from, from Chopper, although somewhat heartfelt and he races off to Super Surf 11. Yeah, well, Chopper was like, oh, man, I can't go to Super Surf, Smokey. I got to take care of you. You got, like, you know, one eye and one leg. You got, you, like, you need you need a hand around place. And he's like, ah, I'll be dead soon anyway. Go on without me. <laughs> and then the next day, he was dead. And Chopper's like, whoa, like, fair play, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> next prog. Back to life. Back to servality. Oh shit, Fox! Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! You don't know this, but um, <laughs> in, we just used that song as an, we just used that song in the opening of uh, like episode two hundred two or two hundred three. Oh, that's rad! Really? That's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was a, it's, it came out in eighty nine, and it was like it was like a hit, and like late like like later in the year. That's amazing. Man, I'm fucking topical as shit. Totally. Uh, so. As we start in this uh, next prog, we are reintroduced to Jug, who still seems to be somewhat of a slob, kind of ripping through his house, uh, trying to pack for, uh, you know, the Super Surf competition. And uh, we also sort of uh, see his gal pals who were there. Enter Chopper, who greets everyone lovingly, including what I imagine is a very patient girlfriend who's totally stoked to see him. Uh, so yeah, after- the uh, uh, Charlene, who we met in the previous uh, Chopper story, uh, uh, Soul on Fire. Yes, she definitely has as wicked of hair as him now. She's wearing some sweet, like black and white striped clothes, and oh man, this dude needs a fucking bath. <laughs> so after a bath and some pithy remarks uh, about his weird green like pus warts <laughs> on his shoulder, uh, the gang is off uh, to their chartered flight. Where on board we see some familiar faces: Shane Willis, Rube Cutler, and of course Raj Bogovich. Some <laughs> of the survivors from the last Super Surf, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, so banter is exchanged until Chopper and his lady love Charlene get some time to talk about how he's feeling, and she notes that he doesn't seem as intense or as driven anymore about the whole Super Surf thing. 
Um, he notes that, you know, he may not care as much and reveals his experience with Smokey, which is, you know, somewhat personal and, and a nice little exchange for them to have. Um, mm-hmm. Along with this, we also get some t- context about song lines and specifically that, you know, he's just following his win song, dude. Uh, though, admittedly, he doesn't understand what any of that means. I'm there with you, buddy. Yeah. So in the uh, next prog, we oh, wait, uh, uh, can oh, I yeah, if I could just add, add one th- add, a, add add one or two things, Fox. Yeah, I mean, he definitely feels like he's be he sort of become philosophical about this stuff and being like a like a two like in the hands of destiny kind of with this song line th- stuff. Um, but a big point about the upcoming Super Surf. Mm-hmm. Is that apparently it's now being organized by a media mm. mogul named Stig, and he's offering a million credit prize to the winner, uh, yeah, which doesn't right. seem like it's been in, in the case of previous Super Surfs, Mm-mm. where it's much more been like, um, you know, the uh, the glory of having won it as opposed to an actual cash prize. Yeah, exactly. So uh, in the next prog, we open with, you know, some surfers cruising about. Everybody's just kind of partying until suddenly a fireworks attack, which yeah. just goes on and, and blasts a bunch of people out of the air. Yeah, they're um, in uh, Mega City 2. We see them like flying mm. over the Hollywood side and stuff like that. It's mostly kind of a Mega City 1 version of L.A. as, as opposed to Mega City or Mega City 2's version of L.A. versus Mega City 1's version of New York, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, Chopper, not present, is observing on the television with Charlene, who ominously comments that another racer uh, about this other racer, Flacco, um, and, you know, that he might kind of be behind this. We also learned that uh, several are injured and already one fatality for Super Surf 11. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, no, Chopper is there because he, he saved somebody. We see him like cutting a... Cutting uh, um, a safety oh, line and taking someone to safety. They're watching it you're back right. on TV uh, that okay. night. Sorry, for some reason, but otherwise, I that otherwise was you're Chug, right. But I, I clearly, I was confused. I think it's all. I think it's a bunch of them. Like it's, it's tough because like of this, um, of this uh, chopper, Jug, Charlene, and Jug's girlfriend, whose name I forget. They all have very similar like profiles when dark yeah. in, in a dark room. You know, they kind of got big hair and wide shoulders. You know. Exactly. I mean, it, it's very stylized. It's just it, it got oh, me, yeah. it threw me for a loop, certainly. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, both kind of comment on how sky surfing has become somewhat of a commodity, as well as, you know, just how Jug's slow spiral downwards uh, from like being super stoked about this. He's getting a, a drunk a lot more often and just shilling a lot more. I think mm-hmm. he's, you know, the, the kind of comment is that he sees everything sort of circling the drain, so he's getting as much out of it as possible before taking off. Mm-hmm. So a judge comes to the door asking for Marlon Shakespeare. Oof, that's that's our boy Chopper. Yeah, and check out that sweet Mega oh, City man. 2 judge uniform, buddy. It is fucking, it is some nice shoulder pads, dude. Yeah, the, the like, it's the same kind of eagle on one side uh, shoulder pad, but they're way more smooth mm-hmm. than the really, like, um, than the really sharp ones for Mega City 1. And, like, the zippers got, like, one of those square zippers, if that makes <laughs> yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also like, like the got- regulation haircut is a pompadour and uh, regulation eyewear is sunglasses. These guys, these judges are cool as shit, buddy. Hey, man. <laughs> they live in that West Coast vibe. Absolutely. 
So, uh, you know, Chopper is is informed that, hey, listen, Mega City One's not going to be pressing any charges as long as you agree to stay the fuck out of that city. But, you know, I don't think that that's really going to happen. <laughs> yeah, Chopper's like, fine. Pretty I'll much. Stay. Happy to do it. So slowly, um, you know, over the next, like, page and a half, um, we start to see the plot untangle as the corporate scumbags of Stig Incorporated comment about being behind the recent skullduggery. And we mm. also learned that Stig Incorporated, though distanced, is likely behind, you know, fireworks and more specifically what appears to be a massive fucking gun to shoot at people during the obstacle course. Yeah, they, they we sort of see them in setting up this giant gun emplacement as the workers talk about how it's going to be right on, like, the main course. <laughs> Which is real, like, yikes. Real ominous. My favorite part, however, is that we end with a woman whispering to the Stigman himself, It's time. Ooh, Next episode. The contract. <laughs> so what'd you think, baby? Chopper's back. I'm very excited for the return of Chopper. We haven't seen him since August of last year, so it's pretty good. I don't think – I will say as a nerd and keeper of the of the uh, 2080 timeline, Fox, mm-hmm. that I don't think this timeline uh, works out <laughs> because <laughs> I'm pretty sure like if we assume Super Surf 11 that the, the Oz storyline took place pretty steadily from what it um, premiered in fall of 87 – that means Super Surf 10 would have been like sometime in late um, 2109, oh. which means that Super Surf 11 should be in uh, tw- sh- should have been in 2110 mm. instead of at the end of 2111 where we're seeing it here. But you know, there's also a coordinating of time, and the best re- answer is not to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just Bruce Willis, this whole thing. Who gives a shit? Just watch yeah. the movie. Well, I mean, <clears throat> not to not to answer your Bruce Willis reference with an Aston Kutcher reference, oh. reference, but as I always say, um, you know, Flash is also in Judge Dredd's timeline, and there's enough slaughtered dinosaurs for a billion uh, butterfly effects because of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know that's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. So but yeah, let's ex- uh- excited to see Chopper back. Really excited for this story. It should last us for the rest of the year and into uh, into nineteen ninety as well. So very exciting. Yeah, man. And speaking of, uh, let's say alternate timelines. Thrill ah! three, Zenith. Thrill two. Thrill two. Right. Fuck. Do it again. Thrill two, Zenith. <laughs> yeah. Uh, script robot Grant Morrison. Art robot Steve Yule. Lettering robot Gordon Robson. So, so we return to Zenith, attempting to decide who will stay behind in World 666 to press a universe-destroying bomb. Um, luckily, I mean, there's there are some, like, kind of minor arguments until, super great, we have this girl, Tammy, who's already dying, and she seems pretty all good about that. And despite a bunch of other people protesting, they just, uh, like, get called out as like, well, do you want to stay? And they're like, well, no. So I I thought this part was really crazy just because I feel like I've seen a lot of I've seen this situation in in superhero comics before Fox mm-hmm. and I feel like the the standard one would be would be more about heroes all the heroes volunteering to to sacrifice themselves nobly yeah as opposed as opposed to all the heroes being big ass cowards not willing to um 
not willing to to, uh, to to give themselves up, you know, to the point where it's like, well, do you want to sacrifice yourself? Just shut somebody up <laughs> instead of um, making them be like, yeah, of course I will. I, I'm ready to give my all for the cause, you know, I mean, or something like that. It is definitely very refreshing. And I also just like how everyone's just ready to be like, bitch, don't be like, don't act like you're a fucking hero. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. I, oh, sorry. One more thing. I thought it was interesting how at, how they ask Acid Archie if he wants to do it, and he says no fear, yeah. which apparently in England can mean no or or certainly not, as opposed to what I would assume it would be, which is which would be yes. I don't. I'm not afraid of this. Yeah, he's like, I don't give a fuck. Well, yeah, but instead he's saying, I don't give a fuck. No way am I t- am I setting off that bomb, man. I got <laughs> I, I got to get back to the club. I got things to do. Yeah, man. This dude is a dancing fiend. Yes. So um, suddenly, a cry out: "The Lollanagiger Yorgior is near!" <laughs> oh Every- no! <laughs> Everyone makes for the Rosen Bridge, leaving Tammy behind. As you do, the dead girl's gonna be dead anyway, I guess. Mm. So while she sits contemplating her death alone, Tiger Tom appears, embracing his cousin. She won't go alone. Gross. As- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, it definitely gets there. I I specifically cut out the part where it is definitely cousin on cousin. (laughs) Because it gets there. So, at any rate, uh, they, you know... The the Law Liger or Rufflemau or how are the I don't know how to say Loy Gore (laughs) appears. It's like a loy. It's 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 like it's it's like a lawyer, but with the G in the middle, buddy. Ah, yeah. Um. So, uh, they appear, however, they find out, oh, we were a bit too late. The button is pressed, and everything becomes nothing. Pretty wild end to this one. Yeah, cool. Full page, wordless explosion here. Real Mm -hmm. nice stuff. I should say two of the arguing superheroes um, were based on – one was definitely based on the character – oh, God, did I lose it? Yeah, shoot. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, one's based on the on the Hotspur character Blackhawk, or possibly the musician Clint Boone of the inspirational of the uh, Inspiral Carpets, and Ooh. the other one's based on the Radio Fun character, the Falcon. Just FYI. Okay. See, I I knew I could lean into this, knowing that you would fill in all of my pop culture blanks. Happy to pick up these uh, <laughs> ridiculous com- old school comics um, references. As always, I'm referring to uh, internationalhero.co.uk. That, that, that did a scorecard for all this stuff. Oh, shit. That's pretty rad. <clears throat> yeah, I should have linked that to you. But I didn't want to because that um, sport- scorecard is also full of spoilers. And I'm reluctant. Uh... I'm reluctant to send it your way. There's a lot of things I'm reluctant to send your way at this point in 2000 AD Fox. I, I, I have to admit. That's okay. I, you know. <laughs> That just means that we can, I mean, we got like a thing going here. I like this. Yeah. So we open on Alternative 257. Our heroes return and lick their wounds, trying to make sense of what has happened. Despite some Yeah, this is the other reality where they they have to um, explode to destroy the Omnihedron. (laughs) Exactly. Just for the record. Um, So despite some bickering and Ruby being somewhat distracted, they wonder how the hell Hotspur is doing and start making their way there. Cut to Hotspur. Leading a charge with many other alternative heroes. In the back, however, mm-hmm. is Spook and a few others arming a Chaos Structor, specifically the universe-ending bum, uh, and mm-hmm. commenting on Hotspur's uh, 
zealousness. Yeah. <laughs> they are not into dude. However, we then see above two of my favorite things. I, I mean, I just didn't know I would love them as much as I did. Mr. Lion and Mr. Unicorn, named aptly so by the fact that they have nice little shirts that one has a unicorn, one has a lion. Absolutely. And uh, as they're just sort of talking about, like, things going on, they say, excuse me for a moment, while they laser-eye people to death as they move up the stairs. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, is- these guys are are possibly a reference to this Alice in Wonderland or nursery rhyme thing, maybe the UK coat of arms or something else. It's hard mm. to – there's a lot of different references for it. This definitely is great because, like, eye beaming just keeps coming up in this particular set of. <laughs> They're so of casual about their eye beams. It's amazing. Like, yes, yes, I suppose we should be getting on then. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> They're so oh posh in their eye beaming, Fox. It's amazing. It's really wonderful. Um, so we return to Zenith and Co. So they make their way uh, to Hotspur, sensing the danger. But in the distance... Oh, no, that's not... Hold on, Fox. That's Ooh. not Zenith, buddy. That's Vertex. Oh, that's right. Oh, Cause, I cause forgot this about team the V. has Vertex, uh, who is the, the good um, twin of Zenith through the realities, as well as uh, Peter Sinjin, Ruby Fox, like you said, uh, Mantra, who we've seen mm-hmm. a couple times... And uh, Spook, who's one of the older heroes from uh, Zenith's world. Right. Thank you. Um, Vertex! Hey. <laughs> He's that guy I remember. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. <laughs> but hey. It happens, all the, it happens all the time to Vertex, so he's cool with it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I guess just in the distance, hey guys, it's fucking Electro Man. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great, I guess. I, do we know Electroman? Not really. He's just sort of some guy. I mean, he definitely introduces himself as Aren't I Gorgeous, which I thought yeah. is, that is exactly the catchphrase you want. Well, Electro Man, he's an, he is an extremely obscure, and I believe at this point, actually public domain American superhero from ah. the 1940s and 50s. And I got to say, Fox, to me, him smiling wide like that meant that he was clearly Ligor possessed. I definitely, I feel like that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Electro Man makes his, his kind of appearance. And uh, very quickly, we discover that, uh, turns out, Hotspur done got Lil Gorod. <laughs> so I changed the spelling each time I did Lil <laughs> Uh, he's going to have a bad time. It's very yeah, clear the, uh, he's about to have a very bad time. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Unicorn and Lion opened up their oh, own right. kind he of got pulled Einstein Rosenbridge. Yeah, yeah, Rosenbridge or Warp Gate or something, mm. and he popped right into the Ligor dimension, and that's bad times. Cut back to the scene of all of the murder. Uh, a man <laughs> with likely not the power of Thor fiddles with his Thor belt and swears this has never happened to him before. That happens to a lot of guys, Fox. I mean, listen, I guess just don't buy a fucking Thor belt if it's not actually going to give you the power of Thor, I guess, is my big thing. It means I like you, Fox. It means <laughs> I like you when it doesn't. <laughs> I'm just really excited, you know? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I swear it never happens. I just, I keep smashing the button and I'm not turning into the God of Thunder. Just give me 10 minutes. <laughs> so, so. No, very... no, don't get dressed. <laughs> 
So so we're informed pretty quickly uh, that Hotspur's been taken, but we don't get far as Wyvern, another laser eye lolcor or a uh, uh, uh shows up. Uh, Thorbelt does not last. <laughs> Ooh, no. <laughs> no, he, he gets, gets eye lasered. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and just as things seem to be their most bleak, uh, there's a plink, a shimmer. Yeah! A Rosenbridge. The mighty Archie, Acid Archie, the anarchist angel, mad mental crazy! <laughs> <laughs> so, Acid Archie does the only thing that I think I didn't know this comic book needed, which is appear out of a Rosenbridge, riding atop a T-Rex, which he has painted with a bunch of smiley faces and flowers. Um, this is the best fucking thing I've ever seen. Next episode, Arena. Dude, when Archie shows up on that T-Rex, it's the greatest thing ever, buddy. Oh, that's how you that's how you cliffhang somebody, all right? That's how you like leave somebody wanting more. I just, you know, I always knew I loved him. Now I just know why. <laughs> I thought so I had iconic. my reasons. Yeah. I thought I had now, that's my gonna reasons. That's going to be that's going to be the know, cover of the episode for sure. A, I'll tell you that much. Uh, it's just such a surprise, that's all. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so how'd you enjoy Zenith, my man? Good. I thought this was fun just the uh going into this new this second reality where everything's going real bad, like even worse than in reality 666. And adding in some more mysterious parts to the story, I guess. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting when Hotspur landed in the la- in the um, land of the Ligor. We actually get some more names for these guys, and it's all your H.P. Lovecraft favorites, yep. you know. Yep. Um, you know your your sh- uh, sh- Shubnigaroths and Cthulhu's and things like Cthulhu that. Cthulhu of the Eyes or whatever. Yeah. yeah. In um, two things, I think that should be mentioned because I think they might be laying track for later. Um, first is when we, when we meet the, uh, the folks on alternative two fifty seven. like when we start that second part of the, Mm -hmm. of the story, um, they're having a lot of problems. There's like two extra Loigor in this reality and Mantra doesn't understand why Maxi man didn't see that coming and warn them about it. Um, yeah. Also, We also see Ruby being really distracted by like her, you know, she's just been youthed and she's sort of distracted by her <laughs> young hands and stuff like that. Like she seems to be in her own mind doing other stuff, which might, which could be a thread for later mm. as well. And then building on the mantra one, you know, as much, listen, my premature ejaculation jokes about this Thorbelt guy <laughs> notwithstanding, Fox. <laughs> he makes a point that the belt works because it's supposed to give him the power of Thor, but only for the purposes of fighting for right and justice. Oh, interesting. So perhaps the fact that it's not working could have some kind of implications about the motives of their current actions. You know, I mean, of, of they the are mission. using cosmos destroying bombs on different yeah. alternatives. I mean, you know, let's face it. Like when I when I've seen Cosmos destroying bombs in, in comic books, I know which side usually has them. Yeah, like <laughs> it's never like the good guys saying we need this as a just in case option. Yeah, not a ton of heroic doomsday devices as <laughs> as a whole, Fox. <laughs> I would say that's not a heroic. You know, if 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 weapons have tags, I don't think heroic is a tag that goes on most doomsday devices. You no, know? I agree with that. I think that's <laughs> FYI. A, that's a difficult thing to make. This doomsday device will destroy everything, but for all the right reasons. 
That just sounds like a crazy person. (laughs) This doomsday device is everywhere you want to (laughs) be. Yeah, no, it, it, exactly. I just wanted to, I just wanted to, to, to point those out just so we sort of, you know, yeah, of course. When, if something happens, we'll be able to say like, oh, yeah, like yeah. those Space Spinner boys called that out. We, we do good work here. Well, oh, yeah. At least one half of us. Listen, you're kicking ass, buddy. I'm loving this. Are you kidding? Uh, speaking of kicking ass, Conrad. Yeah. Thrill three, Judge Dredd. Ooh, look, I like that. Spooky. Script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant. Artists, Carlos Escara and Jeff Anderson. Letters, Steve Potter and Tom Frame. A Tim Tom, a Tom Tom Frame. I love that boy, Timmy. It's real good at framing it's, up them letters. It's not unusual to be lettered by Tom Frame. <laughs> In fact, it's usually <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty common. <laughs> And when I see a dread that's not lettered by Tom Frame, it's not unusual <laughs> to see me cry. Who wanted that? No, okay, that's, that's so, not for me. No, that was fucking wonderful. <laughs> <clears throat> the revengeance continues in tonight's day. thrilling conclusion of Young Giant. Ooh. So we open uh, with Judge Dredd interrogating the only person who seems to be left after the tussle, demanding to know the supplier of the snuff pictures. Uh, we find out that there's a ledger that needs to be decoded, and fellow mm. judges suggested JD not to, uh, you know, maybe take Giant outside for a fucking soda to cool him down, because that, that kid just iced a guy. Yeah. So outside, the two discuss Giant's future, the ultimate choice that he needs to, and the ultimate choice that he needs to make. Uh, if he wants to be a judge, he needs to master his hate and anger, not let it master him. Whoa. I know, right? Some real Yoda shit. Uh, so- I love in general we've we talked about this last episode too, Fox. But the lesson isn't not to hate; it's to use your hate correctly. <laughs> Let it flow through you. Got yeah, you. this is much more of a of a of of, of a Papaltine type pep talk than a Yoda pep talk. <laughs> right. For the record, you know, I, I mean, he was on the side of definitely fascism. Oh, definitely. Mm. Yeah, come on. I mean, got yeah, stormtroopers. Fascism. It's just you get the coolest helmets. I mean, yeah, I think we can even <laughs> follow that in Earth history, you know? It's true. It's Listen, true. H- Hugo Boss isn't designing for some goddamn liberals, Fox. No way. <laughs> These pants fit great because they will not let you uh, vote. I, I, These, I, that make yeah, sense. listen, these skull buttons really bring the outfit together, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so soon we're given uh, the location of Jerry Kantz, the supplier of these disgusting snuff pictures. Again, yeah. can't underscore enough. This is about snuff. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. And so uh, Dread and Giant enter Kans, uh, Kansas place um, and, you know, deep within a secret part of that building, we see Kans. Hog and Randy uh, working with their current model. Uh, alerted to the break-in, Cans goes to scope out the scene while he, inst- <laughs> he instructs Hog to get a chainsaw and you know just finish the shoot. Let's get that money shot, guys. And Hog uh, is the man with the uh, with the V-shaped scar yeah. on his chin that killed Giant's mother. For the record, yep. Uh, so Quan Cans uh, quickly discovers that it's the gosh darn law. Um, and, you know, we got to get the fuck out of here, guys. 
Giant finds the secret entrance, and so JD and Giant, Giant ready their arms, JD giving Giant full discretion. Next episode, crimes and punishment. So, uh, as Dread and Giant kind of, you know, snake their way through the corridors, uh, we sort of I said this. I said this was uh, eight millimeter, eight millimeter, eight mil, oh my God, it's hard to say, eight millimeter. <laughs> millimetering their way into the snuff film studio folks <laughs> oh god i i would have also accepted uh 24 hour photoing their way Ooh, nice yes god, okay that, that one was super creepy um just whatever whatever wh- when you're die harding and, and also snuff film adjacent folks oh, that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ what a life what a life we found ourselves in uh, this, this week is, buddy i mean i we're talking about more snuff film than i've ever talked about in my life it's true um, but so uh, you know as they're trying to figure out what to do their hostage screams for help rushing in dread leaps in ready for a fight instructing giant to hold back However, Giant's Lawgiver Drawn gets cut in half by a ding-dang old chainsaw, man. Oh, jeez. Not good. Dread dispatches, dispatches two of the assailants while Giant calls out Hog. Using the foreshadowed karate skills, Giant beats the ever-living ass out of that dude and yeah. using his sawn-off Lawgiver in hand, begins to squeeze the trigger. In his mind, however, JD's words cool him off, and Giant decides to book the scumbag instead of icing him then and there. Nice. While Dread gave him the space to kill, he calls it a calculated risk, and I just call that lazy parenting. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> hey, Dread isn't Dread isn't Giant's dad. He's Giant's supervisor, buddy. Oh, it's a sure. different relationship. I'm just okay. Well, then, lazy supervisory actions. I guess that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Listen, lazy mentoring. There's yep. a difference. Uh, so finally, JD dismisses Giant, mentioning that one day he'll be dead and gone, and that they need strong judges for the future. Giant runs off, or rides off, and that is the end of Young Giant. Yeah. We'll see uh, Cadet Giant again next year as part of the Necropolis story, Fox. Ooh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked for that. Me too. Oh, man. Ooh. I, I, anything with Necropoli, basically. I know. I, I remember in uh, in Nemesis, you said that that's a top word for you. Actually, it is. So I think you're going to really dig. Oh man, just a fair amount of next year. Actually, 1990 could be a could the be a good dread year for you, buddy. Pretty much. Oh, that's I would great. describe us as on the road to Necrop. That since 650, we we've been on the road to Necropolis. You know. Oh man, that's great. It's it's like in pro wrestling when you're on the road, like in January, you're on the road to WrestleMania. So like Fuck a yeah. lot of the shows have to do tangentially with WrestleMania, like like the Royal Rumble in January determines a challenger for the for the championship belt and shit like that. Anyway, God, that's fucking yeah. No, I'm you've got the fact that you're comparing it to WrestleMania just makes me like even more stoked. <laughs> I mean, it's the me- it, it's a mega epic, you know. Yeah, so dude. it's what you came here to see, ladies and gentlemen. It's up there for sure. So, but fr- from a comic com- from a dread story, I'm sure you like. I I think you might have liked to the kind of dread story I know you really don't like. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely Oogie. As we proceed to Prog Six Fifty Six, we have a single issue JD thrill politics. Get him out of my oh, video no. games. Get him out of my comic. I am a I am a commenter on the internet. And I can't stand it when when uh, pieces of art have a point. <laughs> it's about it's about ethics in comics in a in a comics about fascist police officers. Come on, guys, get with the get with the program. 
<laughs> so in one of the most hilariously named anybody's ever vanilla bat cave is having a soapbox about her new film trains planes and democrats and while she is definitely hawking democracy she is also definitely advocating for the purchase of all of her merch uh jd somehow the, huh? <laughs> i just want to say somehow vanilla bat cave is more suggestive <laughs> than any than any james oh, bond lady name. i mean it definitely felt as disgusting as saying octopusy or Zenya on a top. Almost worse, if you yeah. ask me. It's it's, it's pretty, pretty bad. It's somehow it's somehow more biological than <laughs> the vanilla bat cave. Well, and you know her hair is white, so you're just like, okay, like, do we really want this to be like it's there's subtext there that I just don't think they I don't think they meant it, but it definitely came off as gross. I'm pretty sure they did. This feels like, yeah, this is one of those situations where it's like, I think this is the text. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even subtext. It's just as no. wrote. <laughs> yeah. They're just saying she's got like like she's got a nice smelling vag, buddy. I think oh. that's just what we're talking about here. <laughs> well, or a cavernous fucking space where something else would it's- be. Yes, it's cavernous, but smells nice. That's what we're looking for, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, got to keep one hand on uh, the steering wheel with this one. That was great. Like that guy in A Predator telling all those jokes. Oh, my (laughs) God. This is an explicit episode, Fox. Listen, man. We didn't call her Vanilla Batcave. I've lost all executive functioning. I'm a force chaos in the podcast now, Fox. Talking about about vaginas. It's a fun place anyway. to be. <laughs> so, I, I apologize. No, no, that was rad. Uh, so JD, who is in the crowd, gets into a disagreement with a citizen who apparently huffs whatever Vanilla puts down. I don't like that sentence. Mm. Uh, this doesn't last long as several ships fly in and just begin shooting judges and the crowd, which yeah, seems... got lasers plausible uh so multiple judges are killed their weaponry seemingly uh having no effect uh the crafts land carrying uh, crying out that they are the sons of the iron lady and abduct vanilla bat cave and leave god damn it thatcher again <laughs> it's I, I think again this is as wrote right so ah, uh, you tories <laughs> Oh, uh, and just in true a clockwork orange fashion, Vanilla comes to, uh, excuse me, Vanilla Batcave comes to, mm. um, and she is faced with Judge Dredd, who, whoa, hey, didn't that guy die? And he extols that, hey, listen, democracy doesn't work for our fascist government, so we're gonna have to zap your brain, reconstruct your face, and ship you to an off-world colony, because politics is dirty business, and democracy just ain't worth it. The end of Judge Dredd. Yeah, they really just like, like, don't even try for democracy. <laughs> I mean, you they will... put on a giant show where they pretend to murder a bunch of people just so they can make it okay for the masses to be like, oh, democracy bad. And then they immediately move in the in, in the um, sort of news program to now. Do you suffer from blocked bowels? <laughs> I mean, they do in that newscast say that the judges are actually just injured instead of killed. Sure. So it's not as mysterious, but yeah, no, they're willing to put on like, yeah, this is this is a classic, classic false flag <laughs> of, of, of patriot groups that the the globalists use to make to to blame them for their psychological conditioning. This is so amazing. 
please continue. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying this is a, this is like a literal false flag with like judges pretending to be terrorists oh, yeah. or, or f- fake terrorists funded by the Justice Department <laughs> to um, to easily take out uh, uh, pol- would be political dissonance who they just um, you know they don't kill to keep their hands slightly clean, but they will just completely um, you know brainwash you and just drop you someplace not knowing who you are oh my God. and with no connections or anything like that. It's pretty this is pretty dark. I mean listen it's <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's a new milestone. I'd say it's as dark oh, yeah. as the uh, as the revolution storyline, oh, yeah. which also also had false flag actors for the record, Fox. Just so we'll we'll remember. Oh my god! But, but I mean, the this whole is just another is example horrible. of it. And this one is also with Dread specifically quarterbacking it. You know, mm-hmm. like I think that's the biggest point. Is that I think it'd be real different if there was if this was just something the Justice Department did, but maybe Dread wasn't aware of it or something. Oh yeah, but, but they are very the, clear that this is our poster child for fascism. Yeah, like the fact that it's Dredd that seems to be the one who's in charge of all this stuff, or at least like, you know, the man, like the, the primary point of contact for it clearly means that they're trying to portray the Justice Department as these, as these bad guys of the peace, basically. Absolutely. It's, and it is makes it really interesting that they're doing this, but also it means that, you know, as we'll see next year, it means that the villains that the judges have to face have to themselves sort of rise up to become even worse. To sort of go up against these oh these God. fascists that that were or you know police state you know authoritarian overlords that um, currently populate the city. You got to be you got to fight fire with even worse bigger fire. Yeah, or like you know, it just means like fire's pretty bad, but like if something worse than fire came to town, then you'd be fine having fire there to help fight it. <laughs> like I don't know, like I don't like if suddenly. The entire city, like if your entire town was knee deep in like danger acid, oh, but yeah. like fire could like push it away or something. Yeah. I, I'm, my my metaphor is breaking down, <laughs> but we'll we'll see what, what what's going on here later, Fox. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh God! And man, oh man, Conrad. Speaking of breaking down, non thrills, covers, and nerve centers. Yeah. Oh, don't be excited for that. Always. I want to hear these editorials, buddy. I hear I can win a Nintendo this week. Okay, we're getting there, buddy. You keep it in your pants. So, cover of 654, a badass space server cover by Colin McNeil. Um, Ordering us to surf or die, which seems like a pretty easy choice, if you ask me. Don't know why they needed it to be a command, but, you know, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, Nice. Inside the nerve center. Tharg explains that Rogue Trooper is delayed, but offer us uh, uh, offers up some chopper, which I think, uh, I imagine at least, is a better trade, uh, regardless of the outcome of, of the new Rogue Trooper story. Um, <laughs> pictures include a native dread and a judge bugs. Uh, he is likely using a heat stinker round. Ooh. No, I feel like that joke was going to fall flat. I went for it. An eloquent writer uh, requests back issues and receives what I can only describe as a canned response from customer service. Later, someone pretends to be a baby. It's as weird as you can imagine. (laughs) We then have a a nice little ad at the end of the comic book, um, which, you know, you know, reminds me of that kind of Tom Frame side hustle that we keep kind of hearing about. And honestly, I want some silkscreen prints. 
Yeah, this is that side hustle. Absolutely. It's fucking great. I completely forgot that that was a thing. Um, it was just neat to be reminded. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, we, we've st- – I feel like our last maybe 30 or 40 progs didn't have ads in them, Fox. We've just started yeah. getting them back. And I've missed them dearly. So <laughs> it's really great. Um, and so we end 654 with a future graph uh, brought to us by our big boy Massimo Spaghetti. Uh, and oh, man, this is both a comic I remember and I also is just kind of a waking nightmare of how I perceived the world in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's pretty great. I am. Is this uh, what I would imagine is probably the last future graph from Massimo Bellardinelli? It seems like we'll get one or two more. Um, the, yeah, the, all these ones are, are sort of his greatest hits or like big stories that mm. he's had. And so this one's for Meltdown Man. Yeah, and it's really awesome. Um, just the full party taking down predators and stuff. I <laughs> believe there'll be one for both Mean Team and Moon Runners as well coming up. Um, just FYI. Oh, cool. Yeah, but, Moon um, Runners. Yeah, Everyone sadly, from from what I've heard, um, like the the prints or the originals for these have been lost somewhere oh, somehow. No, so and I think that's part of why. Like, like I was really bummed when I t- like when I talked about Meltdown Man in the Mega City Book Club. I, I said I was bummed because they've got a cover by Dave Gibbons, and I'd really love like this to be the cover, but I don't think they have the original version anywhere to be able to put it in 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 high enough quality to be um, a cover for the oh, for, for the for the, uh, the the collection. That's real butt. Yeah, no, it's a bummer. Sort of, what I what, what I learned from from Robert Cox over at the Massimo Bellardinelli Appreciation Society on Ugh. Facebook. Oh my god, you your, need to send that to me because I want to be there. Yeah, one stop shop for all of your Massimo Bellardinelli stuff. He's got like almost all of the original art for Meltdown Man. It's really crazy. Whoa. Like he, he posted it all um, periodically. It's it's cool. There's some good there's, there's some good margin notes. I think really like one was when one was when they were like thirty issues in. And like Bellarnelli drew a picture of himself <laughs> celebrating the thirtieth um, issue of um, of Meltdown Man. It was like a picture of uh, you know it was one of his self portraits, but his hat was like a birthday cake or something. It was pretty good. <laughs> He's such a fucking goober, you know. I love. He's like it. an old Italian dude draws who draws comics for a living. Like he's yeah, kind of, he's going to be a little weird, you know. He seems he seems to be into it, you know. Yeah, definitely. So 6.55, our cover is presented by Simon Bisley, who reminds us that things are contained within swamps and warns us of Avank, who has recently, yes. I guess, been released. That's right. <laughs> In the nerve center, Tharg promotes, uh, uh, you know, sort of self-promotes as we get a wicked, uh, a, a wicked sick slough fag. Uh, by way of something mm-hmm. that I don't understand with I want you in the half-dead army. I'm guessing that's just yeah. kind of a play on I want you in for the army. I think so. It could be a heavy metal reference as well. I couldn't find much good information either. Yeah, neither could I. Uh, or at least a quick Google search did not help me. Um, so we see the uh, – or we then see art that informs us that Tharg has a license to thrill. Woo! Let's just hope that Q doesn't arm him – uh, with a watch that dispenses future shocks. Oh, I think he already. I, I, th- I think he just snaps his fingers. To be honest, uh, yeah, that seems like he doesn't need any sort of gadgets. <laughs> um, a reader asks if upselling early comments, uh, uh, comics, uh, or co- upselling comics early is shystery, and is informed that it's complicated. Um, there are some <laughs> Pink Floyd nods and some praise uh, in the form, um, or it, it, some form of praise following writers. 
right? Yeah. Uh, so we then kind of get to the end of the comic book, which is primarily ads um, that uh, are all about promoting to us. And speaking of two, hey, whoa, Ghostbusters 2 this December 1st. To all the kids out there, it is one of my personal favorites because Dan Aykroyd continues to spiral into insanity. It is so great. I mean, the 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 Statue of Liberty comes to life. It's yeah, fucking awesome. It's, yeah, it's really it's 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 a fun one. I think good times. Mm. Um, there's a really crazy article about the guy that was the actor that was like the uh, the statue Vigo. Oh, really? In that movie, and apparently he lived a complex and violent life. Oh, damn. So. I don't know. Whatever. I'll 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 link it to you. I might put it in the show notes. It's, 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 I'm it's a whole thing. That's crazy. Yeah. So following that, Fleetway tries to sell us some metal as hell slain t-shirts. Uh, and finally, dude, get your ass a ZX Spectrum and hey, a light gun. Full yeah. package. It's beautiful. Not the last time we're going to see the ZX Spectrum in this set of Brocks. <laughs> no, we've seen this ad before and we'll continue to see it for, for quite some time, I think. So, cover of 656, uh, it's a spooky dead man cover by John Ridgway, which kind mm-hmm. of feels like what Johnny Quest or the Hardy, or kind of Hardy Boys-esque, uh, if you ask me. But more importantly, we can't stop here. It's grunt country. <laughs> I was proud of that. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah. No. Oh, very, Jesus. Very uh, yeah, fear and loathing in the cursed mm-hmm. earth, buddy. Uh, so there's, in the there's nerve also center, a weird oh go yeah, for it I was gonna say there's also like like the text is that the dead man goes down to the woods today which is also a, a, oh, a yeah. teddy bear's picnic reference which I which do n- I is, didn't it seems so out of place not appropriate not appropriate <laughs> I feel like they were just stretching for something like woods based and I'm like teddy bear picnic is not that they they, they these sub editors got to make their jokes where they can you know <sighs> I understand. Um, so Tharg opens the nerve center by congratulating himself by way of letters pouring in since 650. Dude, I'm very glad that you're proud of yourself. Yes. Um, we are treated to a very neat Tharg-based poster that eludes my ability to understand the reference. So it's like treble Zarjaz. Yeah, there's three faces of of Tharg, and so it's triple Zarjaz, and just treble is another word for triple, I guess. Uh, but- okay. Uh, there is also an Unleashed, the Deviant Twins image. Conrad, please help me understand this. This one, too, I think it's just sort of a cool demon, I All guess. Right. I mean, it's rad. It okay. could be, again, like, I just, it's really hard to look up a lot of what I, I'd assume to be kind of heavy metal things from the late 80s, just because a lot of stuff uses the same words over and over again, you know? Mm. Like, I tried to find information about this T-shirt and found like four or five other like heavy metal or rap things related to Slain, to the oh. word Slain. That ah. meant that it was just very hard. Like apparently there's a rapper called Slain from like 2002. who's like an Irish guy. Oh. A lot of other stuff that just like, you know, it just it, – it, it, it messes with my primarily search engine based investiga- investigations. <laughs> I am not going to a library to figure this out. I have all of it here on Google, and why isn't it easier to find things? It's a quarantine, buddy. I can't go out. And yeah, that's true. Do that stuff. So uh, <laughs> letters letters ask about Decker, and then later someone asks about Bradley. No one should ask about Bradley. And then uh, finally, Tharg has to explain to another writer that the comic that you are describing is in another castle. 
Yeah, yeah. Someone asks about Doom Lord. Yeah. And buddy, Doom Lord's an eagle with those Kiwi boys, man. <laughs> Not with us. Although those cute I will... old Kiwi boys. Yeah, man. Dave and Adam, check those guys mm-hmm. out. Where Eagles Dare. But I will mention actually that by eighty that by late eighty nine when we're reading this, uh Doom Lord in Eagle had actually sort of just ended new comics and was in reprints and would be done forever in uh, April of 1990. So it is on its way out, sadly, oh. in Eagle. So that, that could be why they're asking. And I guess they are similar. Like, like they're both by Fleetway or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, that's... The downfall of Dune Lord is a story I hope to someday hear on Where Eagles Dare. Not here. We, uh, <laughs> we, we got our own stuff to do. So partway through uh, uh, the comic, we are... Uh, you know, advertised the only important console to ever be made during this area uh, era, and holy dingus, it's Nintendo, complete with Rob, which everyone remembers, and it has had a lasting impact since its release. <laughs> I'm talking about Rob specifically, not the Nintendo. Oh yeah, well, listen, you know, <laughs> I like, you know, was in a was in a in, in a big lecture about the history of video games, and actually, Rob is really important. Not at, not like which was a robot peripheral that came with the Nintendo Entertainment System, the 8 bit Nintendo uh, console mm-hmm. for the record. But basically, my understanding is that in like the late 80s, video games were so burned over and like everybody oh, yeah. was like, these things are all real crappy. They're just sort of Pong clones mm-hmm. and crappy Atari things and stuff that especially in America, they sold Nintendos as the, as it being the robot. Yeah. And then there was other stuff attached to it to sort of get past people's sort of anti-video game views generally. Well, so you- it, is, it is important for the console being a success or to get the console in the door to then become the success that it was. Well, in the U.S., they actually even hired – like Nintendo specifically hired a bunch of door-to-door salesmen to like go around and try to get people to play the Nintendo they would set it up and show them the different games be like hey look at how not garbage this is so they would come <laughs> to your home and basically do a demo which was you know kind of yeah. neat kind of a kind of a neat thing that definitely wouldn't happen these days i haven't i haven't seen a door to door salesman since fucking like 19 or maybe 2000 i got to say a door to door salesman would make me want to buy something less not more at this, oh, t- this day and age fox I think everybody Even- agrees with that idea even not including quarantine stuff. Oh, like, I mean, that's stay away from my door even more. Thank you. But but also generally, like I'm not I'm not buying something from the door. Are you <laughs> kidding me? God knows, like it, you know, are you an accredited Kmart person? What are you? I assume more door to door salesmen are just pretend serial killers at this day and age, Fox, oh, as I opposed mean, to actually selling things. They are only serial killers. <laughs> yeah, come on. One way or another, you know. So finally, uh, at the end of the comic, we get some self-promotion uh, and are informed about Comic Mart in Westminster. Ooh. And uh, once again, we're reminded that the ZX Spectrum does in fact exist. So Good pre- luck, buddies. <laughs> Add but that's back, why, man. But not too bad. But that... But that's why the Spectrum has that gun, has that light gun advertisement now. It's because Nintendo's made its way to Britain. Mm-hmm. And so all of these, you know, personal computers are trying to kind of rebrand themselves a little bit more as like video game systems like the uh, 
like the NES or like the uh, – I forget what you call the master system in England. It, it had a different name. But whatever the Sega uh, 8-bit system is, you know, we're, are sort of showing up and starting to eat those guys' lunch just because they can sort of do things a little bit easier and have and have a little more processing power and other things like that. So I, I forget who it was that helped them create the light gun specifically for Nintendo. But the company that has has been providing like lenses and different parts to Nintendo since then. And Nintendo will almost exclusively only work with them just because awesome. they were someone who sort of started with them at the beginning. It was a neat little yeah. thing that I that I learned about like last week. Shame I don't remember the name, but that was, it was it was interesting because it was kind of like, here's how light guns work. Also, did you know? <laughs> it's the real. Uh, yeah, real in, in our VR times. It's a real relic of the past, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and speaking of relics of the past, ooh, the dead man. Oh, nice. <laughs> Script robot John Wagner, art robot John Ridgeway, lettering robot a Jack Potter. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll mention actually. Uh, there, there's a typo for this in uh, in Barney because the uh, oh, really? the writer for Dead Man is a uh, Keith Ripley, not John Wagner. Oh, actually, I am. Sorry. No, no, no. It's in there. I've I've talked to them a couple of times to get them to change it, and they haven't. It's real, uh, you know, <laughs> one of these internet things. You know how it goes. Yeah. So, uh, Yasa explores a cave deep inside of his own nightmare, where he finds corpses and the presence that has been hunt, uh, haunting the town. Uh, it appears as an Elvira, and she, as she reaches out, very quickly turns into a very gross witchy type, not a sexy witchy type. Uh, as Yasa screams, no. waking up, uh, he and the dead man regard she was looking for him. Yeah, it's cool. She she goes from a, a pretty lady to a desiccated corpse. And we also see that she's got this like coiled snake tattoo mm -hmm. on her arm. And that tattoo like comes alive and becomes crazy snakes and stuff as she uh, as she shrivels. It's kind of one of those cool superpowers you never really like if you had the choice between that and something worse, I guess. I feel like tattoos should like, never come to life, man. Like shooting your fingernails off as like little missiles. I would not want that. Prefer yeah, I mean, I don't know if it would be, be my first pick on the list, but I'd no. need to see the menu, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Like I would, I, would, I would put living tattoos above a fair amount of other things. Oh, yeah, big time. I definitely think that it's more of your like uh, bespoke slash, you know, it's kind of the, the hipster... The hipster yeah. superpower, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, living tattoos isn't an incidental power, like like being able to fly or super strength or something. Mm -hmm. Like, if your tattoos are alive, then that's your gimmick. Like, then you're tattooman or something <laughs> like that, you know? Oh, no. It, you're you talking be... to Ray Bradbury because you're the illustrated man, no, you know? even... <laughs> So you would, you, would, uh, you would be both members of the hit band Tattoo? <laughs> no? Oh my God, Fox! These fake Russian les these <laughs> Russian fake lesbians with their living tattoos are going to kill us all, buddy. I, I'm proud of what we've done here today. So, pounding oh, on the door, God. it seems that one of the villagers, Old Abe, was killed by that same force that night, and the citizens resolve that the dead man must go. Yeah, get out of here. <sighs> so, dead man requests that he could take dog, but you know, since the sentimental mutamut will only follow Yasa. Um, 
the mother basically forbids it. Uh, so later they pack him some food, some supplies. They give him a rifle. Apparently they have more than just one. Seems like a pretty good deal. And the father shows, uh, you know, the dead man kind of this area on the map gives him a, a lay of the land. Yeah. Dead man leaves through, uh, though the uh, the the kind of like clockwork. The the kid definitely sneaks out through a cornfield to follow him, and they meet up where he first found the dead man. The now created group continues on through the trail, um, or though the trail has been getting colder as they do, uh, eventually finding a scrap of um, of material that used to belong to the dead man, and they set up camp for the night. Dead man basically corners Yasin and is like, dude, I totally know you lied to me here. We're going to have to take you back. But Yasin claims that, hey, if it wasn't for me and this dog, you'd be pretty screwed. And that seems to shut him the hell up. Yeah. And just that you don't know where you'd be going without dogs. So exactly. you might as well just let us come, you know. Exactly. So they head out in the morning. And as they do, uh, they are attacked by an avalanche. <laughs> Yes, uh, it's a trap that someone cuts a rope and then all yeah, these exactly. rocks fall upon them, you know? Uh, what I like to call uh, a classic um, Thundercats act like situation, you know? Ooh. Um, so Dog gets away while Dead Man tackles Yasa into safety. Dispatching one of the grumps, uh, grunts with the rifle seems to be enough to scare the rest of them off. They pass through an abandoned town, Sugarton, uh, which yep. apparently used to be kind of a pre-war town. Um, yeah, it seems like it's just a, the ruins of a, of of, an, of like a a city we'd be familiar with, with like gas stations and cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's been nuked all to rubble and stuff. I I spent I did spend some time trying to find out where there are Sugartons, Fox, but none of them are in locations that would be realistic for this story. They're all like in in Florida or in Georgia, which were places that would have been nuked during the Apocalypse War. So it wouldn't be yeah. good for this story. So Just FYI. Yeah, no, that's good. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so they eventually – or rather, their path eventually leads them to the outskirts of Grunt Country, a densely wooded area that no one dares venture into. Seems like that's likely where they're going to be heading. Mm, bad times. So as they skulk through the woods, the memories slowly begin to come back to Dead Man. Uh, he had been in these same woods before, trying to escape something. While he was doing so, the grunts wouldn't touch him, but it probably wasn't them that he was afraid of at that point. Mm. So they yep. note that they've been being followed around also by a horde of grunts. Don't seem to be attacking yet. Yasa makes a shitty comment about this dude already being pre-cooked. Uh, and they do <laughs> attack, however, not after that joke, but once Dead Man gets caught in a rope snare. Oh, no, he's been uh, Han Soloed. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> Except instead of cute, cannibalistic teddy bears, it's disgusting, cannibalistic gorilla people. That's yep. Same difference. It, uh, honestly, same difference. That's what Return of the Jedi should have been, man. Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> teddy bears are pretty cute. Yeah, that's what I say. Whatever. Oh, my God. That actually would have fit better with their, like, the teddy bear picnic thing. Oh, God. That'd be that'd be real terrifying based on what's <laughs> about to happen here, Fox. Um, so... The grunts go in full force, knocking out Dog and grabbing Yasa. However, even a strung-up dead man can still fucking kick ass. And he begins attacking and killing grunts with the rifle, smashing them with the butt, evading fucking, like, 
clubs, and eventually hanging shoots- upside down by one foot. He's scoring these headshots left oh, and man. right, buddy. It's pretty awesome. It's rad as hell. He shoots himself down. Specifically, he shoots the rope that then drops him down, and he tries to give chase, killing multiple grunts. But they seem to have gotten away with Yasa and Dog. Yasa. <laughs> Next time, Terror of Gruntwood. God, that's such a lame title, but it's such an awesome comic. What do you think, man? Oh, man, I love this stuff. Um, I said before that John Ridgway's superhero is is drawing a terrified child, and he really earns his money, <laughs> especially in the first one in a, in a 654. Oh, Just- yeah. All these faces of Yasa just screaming into the night are I mean, really awesome. Yeah. Just just you could really he really brings this kid's terror out in a really amazing way <laughs> that I think is is awesome. Just the way that this black and white art really works to both make the dead man seem gruff and mysterious mm. and just actually allow Ridgeway to put so much emotion in Yasa's face oh, as he yeah. experiences this stuff. A lot of the landscape stuff is cool too, like 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 Sugarton had a really yeah. neat like ghost town look. And that first picture in six 66 in 656 where they're entering into this um forest and like the trees are all over them and the ground is yeah just this huge gnarly carpet of like tree roots like 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 literally gnarled not my my surfer talk that i have occasionally when i say things are gnarly but like just the whole thing is just like all of these like like all the trees look like they're like kind of like bugs walking around or something because they have all these roots standing up and like scattered all over the place and stuff Mm. like that that looks like it would be like scary and treacherous to walk through in the first place, even oh, if there yeah. aren't like a cannibalistic grunts out there trying to uh, to eat you. Um, yeah, and just yeah. just you know, it's it's a re- it's just a really great like I don't know like they've just decided to put this um, horror strip right in the middle <laughs> of my sci fi strip, and I love it. You know, I, dude, I it it is such a saving grace through this whole thing, and I don't know, it's. They, they definitely keep pushing on. I'm getting a little tired of the grunts at this point, but that is not mm. a knock against it. I definitely like the reveal of this, like, entity, which can't yeah. decide if it's Elvira or Gross, like Tales from the Crypt Keeper. It goes back and forth, literally, you mm-hmm. know? So it feels good. I, I, I like it a lot. And I, I mean, I don't know. I fuck this comic for making me think hard about what my top and bottom thrills are going to be. Totally. So, yeah, I'm interested to see just like um, how we go with, the, with, with, this, with this dead man, the mystery behind him and stuff like that. I think that's going to be really exciting. We, we've only got this one ends in early 1990, actually. But I'm really – oh, I'm so excited for it, Fox. I love th- – this story is really great and where it goes is really amazing. Oh, man. Oh, God, I'm so excited. Yeah. And speaking of the culmination of our excitement for the night, my man. Mm, yes. Thrill 5. Slay the Horn God. Fantastic. Script robot Pat Mills. Art robot Simon Bisley. Lettering robot Steve Potter. So we start our story, uh, this time recounting um, the last needed treasure, the boogie that uh, Ucko has fished out of his nose and stuffed into his mouth. Oh, but, no. Or- <laughs> But more uh, more specifically, the Leophale, the navel of the goddess. Ooh. Uh, so apparently it was uh, – ca- it's being kept on the island of uh, 
Aphelius. It's the capital mm-hmm. of the Tribe of Shadow, uh, who apparently only fight at night, tattoo or paint their skin black, as well as their shields. So, mm-hmm. ooh, spooky types. Yes. So we're introduced uh, to the Avank, uh, the last of the Beavermen. Uh, Saul Beavermen. <laughs> Uh, whose That's people right. were massacred by the tribe of Shadow. Um, as the uh, uh, as the Avank recalls the slaughter, it's slowly revealed that Megram is in his mind, compelling him to retrieve the stone. Normally, Ooh, he's quite- that Megram. I know. Normally, uh, as this is sort of described to us, they were a pretty docile group, uh, but now he has become just a bit more vicious. Uh, so, in the Great Hall above, King uh, Sangan of the Shadow Tribe, uh, has not been able to sleep. Apparently, his rest is constantly filled with the screams of those that he brutally murdered. I mean, I feel like yeah. that's just... feel like that's pretty fair. <laughs> yeah, specifically the, the of the beaver people themselves yes. that he took to, uh, to, to claim this land and, and get the sacred stone and stuff. It also appears that the Lee of Fail has slowly been converting his people to moon worshippers instead of sun worshippers. These guys, I guess, had once come in. They were part of, you know, the sun warriors. Now they are moon people. Yeah, which the beaver people were as well. They've sort of been poltergeisted a little bit, like mm-hmm. to become like similar to those that they conquered because of the influence of this here rock. Yeah, it definitely feels like there's some insidious shit going on with this uh, Earth Goddess shenanigan. Mm. So continually, the king wants his nightmares to end, and it seems that that is coming in the form of the Avank. The Avank! Laughably quick, the Avank, who had prior, again, been a much more peaceful creature, who had been trying to communicate with these lesser life forms that use speech instead of using mental uh, connectivity, uh, you know, not picking up those Wi-Fi signals, I guess. Um, yeah, that's has- very... Sorry, go for it. Oh, I- I was going to say, there's a very Pat Mills section in here where he said, where he, apparently the beaver people tried not to develop a specific, not to develop language. Um, and that actually having language was a sign of stupidity because <laughs> by not forming a language, they meant that, um, their brains were able to form without the restraint that language imposes upon Ooh, you or something. I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's that's a- that's the that's the exact response, but <laughs> Ooh, I guess. So, uh so you know, what I find kind of funny about this is he just has a real easy time fucking up these people, uh kind oh, yeah. of tearing through the halls and just takes the stone unabated by the king um and heads to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> The king even at one point is like, oh, I'd let him take it. You know, that thing's driving me crazy. I'm happy to see it go. The stone drives me crazy. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so news reaches Murius, uh, who immediately tells Slane. Everyone is super stoked to hear Slane's plan, swim to the, swim to the bottom of the ocean, and totally grendle this thing to death. Um, yeah. But, you know, he seems pretty all right to just, like, get drunk and be depressed for reasons. Definitely. Murius and Slain talk, Slain throwing a pity party, saying it's better to survive than gather all these items. You know, this is a horn god. It's about life. and Maybe we just need to whatever. And this basically makes Murius rage quit. Yeah. Apparently, the horn god is not really very results-oriented, Fox, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, we're going to find out exactly what kind of results this cup gets. 
That's fair, actually. But yeah, but, but the basic, like the concept of what Slane's saying is like, listen, like I'm directly in opposition to those sun heroes who are the ones who go on big quests and stuff like that. You know, I'm here for the laughs, but once it gets hard, that means that I got to give up because I guess that's the kind of hero that we're looking for in this age. <laughs> you know. All right, buddy. This is the part of the uh, of the Earth Goddess stuff that um, I that really reminds me of that um, the balance stuff we had in, oh, in previous yeah. lane stories. Yeah, like I just you know we're telling the story of a heroic dude, and so I don't like when he embra- when we talk about these philosophies that are actually like actually like the best way is to do nothing. Like that just seems like you know like fair. I guess that's go- a good. Uh, that might be a decent personal philosophy, but I don't think it's a good philosophy for this, you know, fake character in your comic strip that we're trying to see the adventures of, you know? And, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, there's, like, an imposing horde of Slough Fag just, like, bearing down on everything. It just doesn't, like, it doesn't match up to me. Yeah, it's true. Like, it, yeah, philosophically, like, it's less like the, uh, yeah, like, like, your actions have direct influence on whether the rampaging hordes will eat your people or if it'll be flooded by the <laughs> melting ice caps as opposed Ugh. to sort of the the ennui of the of like of drinking coffee in a post-war paris uh paris cafe or or whatever else uh camus into you know <laughs> wow <coughs> so megram now seeing that slain's in a slump and all alone straight up shoves his face right into her breasts in a Woo. not subtle gesture of uh, sort of the Marvin Gaye classic. Um, seems like Slane uh, is going to oblige, which will give Magrum uh, control over Slane. Uh, we move... Yeah, good times. Uh, we, we move back to the Avang, deep in his... Oh, wait, under- wait. Oh, I, please. I, I, I just want to say... Um, that um, you know, when Megrim uh, uh, seduces Slain, mm. there one is some suggestive obelisk fondling. I'm just saying. Oh, I know no, this was very uh, bringing that on, up on the D. <laughs> and uh, and also, there's a pretty funny part where Slain's like, "Listen, Megrim, you're hot and all, but like, I did it with a goddess <laughs> while I was inside that cauldron." Yeah. So I'm used to a pretty high, like, standard of lady, I guess. <laughs> and Megram then makes a fair point about, um, li- listen, I am very lovely and the Earth Goddess is very not here. And that seems to be enough <laughs> to convince, convince Slane for them to start doing it. I mean, that and, and her grabbing his head and thrusting it right into her cleavage. It's a multi-pronged attack. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> but she thinks Slane is hers to command at last. You know, she's been trying to work a glamour upon him, you know, and mm-hmm. looks like he's finally given in and may now at, at last become disastrously booty blind like the king before him. <laughs> So, so we move to the Avag, deep in his undersea cave, fondling and cradling his newly gotten stone. Megram's voice seems to be gone now. He can finally rest in his dreams with his dead wife and children. Oh, man, mm. that's sad. Yeah, bad times. So topside, it appears that Ukko and Nima, or Niam, Neve. Uh, uh, Neve, uh have come to see King Sengen, who is, well, like, just insane now, I guess. Um, yeah, they got a full who's on first kind of thing. <laughs> it's a very As they're weird trying thing. to introduce him, you know? Exactly. 
Um, it it appears that they just really want to go get had you know we just need a boat and some dudes. We're gonna go fetch that stone again. We we have a bunch of confusing dialogue where it's clear that the king does not know what the fuck is going on, but the major domo mm-hmm. immediately assists in setting that shit up real quick, and we learn the real ruse. Slain is getting it on with Megram to distract her from Avank so that they can get the stone, and that just seems to me like okay, sure, that is probably true. I mean, I just think that Slain is DTF. That's all. I mean, you can be you can be DTF. And be doing it to manipulate someone, Fox. <laughs> I'm just saying that you that's, know that's that's what we call that. You know, when you're trying to when, when, when you're trying to uh, to manipulate the seductress, but you also actually do it. That's what I like to call being able to wet my beak a little bit. You know, <laughs> I can't wet my beak, Fox. I'm the goddamn king <laughs> of all these people. I'm a horned god. <laughs> goddamn it. I could do two things. <laughs> Do two things, <laughs> or or one thing for two reasons, perhaps. I mean, <laughs> he's definitely taking it for the team. And speaking of doing that, Uko suits up in an amazing diving outfit and is kicked out to the ocean. And make sure that prior to this, he's like, "Well, let's see here. I wonder who's getting the better deal out of all three of us, because it seems to me that one of us is getting a great one. The other one gets to sit on a boat, and I get to go to the bottom of the ocean." <laughs> Yeah, he's in this diving suit that's kind of like those guys from Wizards, yeah. the old cartoon movie, mm-hmm. but also a little like a KKK goblin kind of look also. <laughs> Maybe it's, it's, just, it's just a pointy hat. You yeah, know? it's definitely got – it's a little weird. But, you know, creative. And uh, so we cut to Uko entering the cave, ready to thieve the sleeping Avanks treasure. Yeah. Slain will return. In Prague 660. And the end of Slain. Yeah. 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 What's a little weird here actually is that um, last issue, uh, 655 also said Slain would return in 650. Okay. And if you notice, both of them have big cliffhangers like that Mm -hmm. and seemed like they weren't quite sure about it. Yeah. I will say that that one actually Slain won't be back until Prague 662 um, in late January of next year. come on. Yeah. But also, I got to say, I think the second Slain, the second story we talked about, or the the second prog of Slain would have been a better cliffhanger for that time than this one. Like, because I think that idea of Slain not knowing what he's going to do and being seduced by Megrim would be a really cool down note to leave Slain on for a couple weeks. Mm. But if this one, they've explained that Slane's not actually being seduced and they basically have an idea of how they're going to get the navel and stuff like that. So, you know, what what's Ukko going to do when he's conf- when he confronts the Avank is less of like something I want to mull over for five weeks or whatever. <laughs> no offense to Ukko. Ukko's I mean, my dog. Yeah, but, but he's also it's not, not quite like the, the same. prime the prime character you want to fucking cliffhang on, in my opinion. Yeah, especially because they just kind of incidentally in dialogue take the air out of the other big cliffhanger, which is Slain and uh, Megrim canoodling. You know, see, that would have been an actual like decent cliffhanger there, right? Like, yeah. Ooh. So I think yeah. So this feels like a like a, a a bit of a a bit of a misstep to me. Not a massive yeah. one, but especially sort of how we re- how they they're related. They're releasing this stuff. It's a, it's it seems like a bit of a of a poor move. I firmly agree on that one. And so you know, I like for me at the very least, I I find 
Slain to be pretty pretty all right. Uh, I I what I really wanted to shout out, and I didn't get to do that in in kind of oh, yeah. my my descriptions was there's a lot of talk about a naval. There's a lot of this talk about like passages and caves, and especially as we kind of go into six fifty six, there's mm-hmm. you know it definitely talks more about a womb or in like the stomach, uh, like kind of the belly of the goddess because he's deep within the earth in this case. Yeah, um, I think that that's a very interesting thing. Uh, what with this also looking like an egg as opposed to a navel, I suppose. It's it, there's some neat imagery in here that I I was like, man, eh, you guys kind of fucking you get what you're doing, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of the cave stuff is really cool. Just the Avonk moving through these old caves and stuff. And I think in uh, the opening in 654, just the discussion of the Beaver people. And sort of these lost ways and conquering sun heroes mm-hmm. was also really is well written and are, and is sort of a, the kind of you know one of these throwbacks to the Earth Goddess that we've sort of been talking about and sort of what the problem with these conquering sun heroes is. I think it's an interesting story to be to to see as something taking place in like ancient Europe, I guess, mm-hmm. just because it feels more like a like an, a, a colonization story, which I'm more used to taking place in the Americas and stuff. But it is very much of that theme, I think. Yeah, yeah. I like I dig that a lot. It's definitely dark. Fuck. I mean, the guy's going through night terrors, just remembering murdering all these people, right? Yeah, definitely. I think it, it it is really interesting just to see how this slaughter has affected uh, the king and this sort of how this last survivor of his people um, is sort of making his way through the world. Mm. Well, speaking of that, dude, we have come to the end of our descriptive, beautiful, very perfect. We did a great job. They're great, great people here. I have to ask you only one thing. Maybe, in fact, two things. You know what? It's going to be two things, and I must know them, and you have to tell me what were mm. your top and bottom thrills. Top, Zenith, that robot rode that dinosaur, and it's <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life, Fox. <laughs> I can't, in good conscience, not give it to Zenith this week, because, oh, crazy mental me- mental madness, buddy. Oh, it's so great. I just, like... <laughs> If that's if that's how you're going to describe yourself as you warp into reality riding on a dinosaur, you know that shit's got to be tops. Def, yeah, must is it, it, it must be for me. For my bottom, it's tough. Not a lot of whipping boys in this one, Mm-mm. sadly. You know, I love my easy targets, Fox. Oh, um, yeah. I think uh, um, it can't be dead, man. I really liked all that grunt mm. slaughter and the art by Ridgeway is really great. <laughs> Um, Horned God, I'm digging it. Um, I like, you know, this was kind of a setup and stuff, and I didn't really like how they hand, like, the cliffhanger wasn't the best, but I think it was still pretty good. So I think I might just end up defaulting to Chopper this week. Oh, man. Just because it's very early days for Chopper. Um, and I feel like it will get some tops going forward. And I like Dread a lot too. I like the, I, I, I really liked this, um, this giant story. I didn't really like the vanilla Batcave story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but Young Giant really made up for it. I think I loved this. Just seeing the, the development of this of this new character, this kid dealing with the horrors of Mega City One. I think that's a really strong story as well. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, again, you know, Chopper early days. We're just starting out. It's the it's the it's the comic, I guess. 
just I've, I I have the least connection to at this point, mm. just because we're sort of on, on on part twos for everything else, or we've or we've been with a dead man for at least a month now. So I feel like yeah, no other choice but to do it. But it's you know again one of our classic um, A's and A minuses and a field of A pluses sort of. Yeah, exactly. How are you, buddy? What are you feeling like for top and bottom? Ooh, the cleanup one. Rare situations. So, so let me tell you, because I, I wrote this out like prior to you giving your top and bottoms. It's a solidarity month, man. Oh, like, nice. It's fucking full solidarity over here. I, so my top is absolutely Zenith. I think that just coming from like how they dealt with this, you know, we got to blow up 666. Like there was mm-hmm. like that nice kind of interchange and then also... You know, you want to end that note with, I guess, some cousin intimacy or whatever. Um, But just even like the nonchalance of dealing with this fucking like zealous weirdos army by just, you know, oh, we should get out of here. Oh, yes, my feelings exactly. Excuse me. (laughs) Just like it, it really kind of like knows how to pace itself as both funny and also terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finally, just sort of ending on this uh, uh, like super ridiculous buildup to who has so far already been my favorite you can't not put a robot riding a dinosaur screaming mad mental crazy like that's a cliffhanger (laughs) that was really like i was so stoked when i saw that uh that uh, that uh this that this part of the story was the end of an episode fox oh or was the last progman episode this is real like oh yes like this is time just right it's it's a clear like spinny's art contender for me (laughs) like very clearly um i i especially just like his like him chanting a bunch of maddening shit before he apparates like that shit's so good (laughs) like you can't even (laughs) see what he's saying because you can hear it as it's manifesting but the letters are too small and then it just keeps like it's clear he's been chanting this stuff or singing this stuff as he entered the einstein rosen bridge the whole time i would be singing any made-up garbage that i wanted as i apparated on a fucking dinosaur that i've painted you know definitely and so bottom i'm there with you i like obviously you know as you said c of a pluses there's one a minus there i you know for me it's more of just that the chopper storyline it's you know i'm glad to see the character growing i think that just like the plot device of like hey we finally meet this guy also impetus for you to leave now I'm not really mm. sure where like the the kind of song lines and and whatever thing is going. It's it's yeah. Neat. I know you aren't feeling that song line stuff that much, and that's fair. Well, it's more of just that like I so I love the mysticism of all of it, especially in a world like Judge Dredd. That shit exists. Um, oh yeah. It's just that like with how just kind of aloof Chopper is to the whole thing and doesn't seem to like really Mm. care. And I think that that is an interesting character development, but then you mix in like this kind of destiny angle and it's like, yeah, but if he doesn't give a shit, then like you're throwing in this destiny thing, but like even the guy who's telling you about it doesn't really seem to give a shit. I don't know. There were were parts of it that I just felt like fell flat and you know, uh, corporate corpo sponsorship, bad I mean, it's definitely underscored by the fact that they, like, fucking place a giant gun in somewhere. And I'm like, all right, well. Yeah, I think we're going to get some – I think that um, the development of that Stig character, we're going to get some more of it that's going to sort of specifically um, 
uh, mark him out. Yeah, I think the fact that we 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 haven't gotten that that we haven't gotten to that point yet kind of takes some wind out of out of its out of the story's sales as well. Hmm. But not bad. Like these are this sounds no. like I'm saying. Uh, no, I mean uh, it just it, it is beautiful. It just takes and it's time. Yeah, great, it just takes yeah. time to get there, but it, it will get there, and then we'll be you know go fire on all cylinders. You know, it's going to be fucking great. And anyhow. I hope you enjoyed the show, listeners. I know that I've enjoyed recording it here with my buddy Conrad. I mean Fox. Yeah. I mean Conrad. And as always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or on our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2000 AD forums or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at SpaceSpinner2000. For everything else, just look us up, or just look up SpaceSpinner2000, and we should be there. We yeah, will be there. we're at SpaceSpinner2K, I should oh, say. Oh, that's right. At SpaceSpinner2K. Hit us in the DMs. Yeah, and 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 let us know what you thought about Fox taking the wheel oh, here. I thought it was fantastic. Like, excellent Oof. job, buddy. This is great. <sighs> I mean, I now see the marathon that you're in sometimes. Oof. It was a lot. You know, it was fun. We're get we're getting to the summer, and these summer months are really where I finish every episode, just covered in sweat, just from having talked for like an hour. And <laughs> half, <you know? laughs> oh awesome. my god! So come back next yeah. time as Zenith Chopper and the Dead Man roll on. Judge Anderson rolls the dice with the Random Man, and Dread learns once again that it pays to be mental just in time for Christmas, and ooh, I'm so excited about that. Yeah. Until then, I'm Conrad, I mean Fox, and he's Fox, I mean Conrad, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Spunding for three!